Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 64, the top five of 2021. Hello, Mom Fashions listeners. We are bringing you our top five episodes, and Emily doesn't know what they are. I love when we do this one. It's so fun. And I have to say, Emily, I was looking back over all that we've done this year, and I'm really proud. Last year, all we did last year. I know. It's over. uh-huh. I know. I keep like I keep writing or not really writing, but like typing 2021, you know, uh-huh. like in, in the contracts and stuff we've been seeing. I'm like, oh, rats. No, 2022. Got to change it. <laughs> it usually takes me several months to like get that down. And then, yeah, you know, same. it doesn't matter because it's going to change again. So whatever. <laughs> whatever. Just write whatever you want. <laughs> Sometimes I just write random dates. And it's like, did I just have a random, like, just a mini stroke? (laughs) I'm like, where did this come from? 1979. That's not, I wasn't even alive. Like, come on. (laughs) What's happening? I know. Okay. So we are doing our top five episodes. And looking back over last year, I'm really proud of the stuff that we did. Like, I feel like we provided a lot of really good, helpful content. And anyways. I'm biased, but I'm proud of what we've done. So I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Emily. I can't. I can't wait to hear. I know. So let's just jump right in. We're going to start okay. with number five. Okay. And I believe the reason that this made the list is because of my perspective, specifically for this. Oh episode. well, I mean, just brag about it, yeah, Beth. Yeah. Jeez, um, it's all about you. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode actually had two names we called it um all the pets and oh what was your name for it no more pets or something like that like please no pets. yes so that was number five on our list that is hilarious and um i think because there are just a lot of pet lovers out there who were like yes beth yes to all the pets or they were <laughs> saying, finally, someone is expressing the trials and tribulations of pet ownership <laughs> in a clear and honest way. Yes, somebody with a rational mind, maybe. Is. Yes. <laughs> I, I actually have an update on this episode, oh. strangely enough. So things have changed in our pet world here at our house. Now, we are still the owner of one single individual cat. Okay. But she, at the uh, time of recording of that episode, was mostly an outdoor cat, sometimes indoor cat. But something has changed in her. <laughs> and... Santa Claus brought her a litter box for Christmas oh, and, you. and some extra indoor things. And she is like spending the majority of her days now in the house. Mm. And I kind of have just like letting her choose, like if she wants in or out, mm-hmm. you know, 
I do it. I mean, there are like a couple of times she's kind of gotten trouble for some misbehavior and I've set her outside for a little bit to learn her lesson. But <laughs> um, I mean, she's a cat. She's learning no lessons, no. but it makes me feel better. <laughs> and um, so, yeah. And like she's running around the house playing and coming up like yesterday, we could not find her like we were looking everywhere and I could not find her for like hours and we looked in all her regular spots and she was curled up on Louisa's bed and we were stunned by this because (laughs) she and Louisa have not been like close friends shall we say like when our neighbors gave us the adoption paper for this cat for the full story just go listen to the past episode Uh of how we actually got the cat one of the disclaimers on there said she's not she doesn't like kids so (laughs) so her and louisa yeah do not have a great relationship because lou is really young but i don't know things have changed so maybe if we do a follow-up to this follow-up like how strange that her personality i mean cats are bonkers anyways but that is my one about the pets that we have my one mm-hmm. complaint is that my cat will not go to the bathroom outside he's never even stepped foot outside like if i could <laughs> force him to learn to go to the bathroom outside and never have to touch a litter box again i would You'd be i would love it i would be all for cats other than I mean, Ginger has, yeah, yeah, Yeah. the throwing up is bad. Ginger, the cat, you know, until we get the litter box, does use the restroom outside. And I think she still does when Uh she goes out. And we were so ridiculous because every time she would use the litter box, we would be like cheering and clapping around (laughs) her, like telling her good job. So like, we're so happy she's not peeing in the house. But I just felt like, as a responsible pet owner, if we were going to agree to her being inside mm-hmm. for like 14 hours, I should have a litter box for her to use the restroom. <laughs> you know, like. That seems feel fair. Like that's a, yeah, that that's seems a fair. That's a fair thing. Yeah. So far, it's not been too bad. <laughs> anyways, I'll stop talking about my cat. Right. Well, in, in their bathroom habits. So I think <laughs> yeah. what we've determined is that pets are awesome, but also disgusting. So okay. sometimes. I think- <laughs> well, let's segue into a clip now. Yeah. Here's your pitch. I mean, your pitch to me, your pitch to the women out there. Like, and let's think about it. We, You talked about how it's like therapeutic for you, but why would you say that having pets is beneficial for your kids? Like, sell me mm-hmm. on this notion. Yeah. I mean, I think we've already kind of written off the whole responsibility thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to end up taking care of the pet, and that's just how it is. But I love seeing the way that pets have grown empathy and compassion in my kids. I remember going to a feed store recently where they had um, chicks. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the little bucket or whatever and you yeah. can pick out some chicks. So uh, my kids and then there were a couple other families there that had uh, kids around the same age. And I remember my daughters being so gentle and so careful um, with these little chicks while the other kids were just poking at them and laughing because they would run around the pen and kind of be scared and whatever. And I remember just being so proud that they were so gentle and mm-hmm. so careful and even you know even at 
young ages, they understood like how to care for something that was smaller and weaker Mm -hmm. than them. Yeah. All right. Number four. This was an episode that I actually pitched to you. Um, Again, Beth. I know. You just think I, this it's is like... all about me. It's all it's about all me. about Beth. Pitched, That's what we should I pitched have named this episode, episode to you, and then I totally went back on it and was like, "Never mind, never mind, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> so okay. this episode was flipping the script. Oh yes, yes. where we talked yes. about how we are maybe doing the things that our parents did on purpose or doing things differently from our parents on purpose. And right. uh, yeah, I think it's just a good thing to think about and to kind of mm-hmm. analyze. Like, I, I mean, I honestly think the bulk of our parenting decisions are probably mostly subconsciously either like reactionary to what we experienced or like supporting what we experience, oh, yeah. you know, like we use our own frame of reference and that's like this constant internal dialogue that's going that sometimes I just think, you know, we may not be aware of, but yeah, it was a really interesting conversation mm-hmm. and I liked also, you know, seeing things from your vantage point because our growing up experiences were so different. Yes. Yeah. I think depending on what your childhood looked like, if there was abuse involved or not, makes a big difference in how you approach Mm -hmm. parenting. There can be trauma that definitely dictates our behavior or our lack of behavior, I guess would be the way I would put it. Like it changes the way we behave. For sure. Yeah. All right. Let's listen to a clip. Our kids will have a podcast episode called Mm -hmm. Flipping the Script, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about the things that they want to do differently. What is difficult for me to swallow in all that is knowing that I'm really blind to my own. I have a lot of blind spots Mm -hmm. to my own problems and self that needs Mm -hmm. to be changed. And accepting the fact that I'm never going to be able to parent perfectly, like not even in a 15 minute interval, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's kind of, for me, this whole discussion too is like a balancing act that I do believe things are better in the way that we are parenting our kids than the way my parents parented us. Abuse aside, like if we just look at, you know, the non-abusive moments, Mm -hmm. right? But my kids will probably say the same thing like about mm-hmm. themselves when when they're in the middle of it, or and it's just kind of like it to me. It feels a little bit like a, a like a mouse wheel, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we are somehow gaining progress, but then I think in some ways we're slipping too. And both of those things are happening at the same time. Okay, number three was our episode finding space for me. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. That one feels like a long time ago. When was that one published? So Do you remember? It was episode 53. So okay, it's so been a while. Yeah, it, was, it has been a while. Let me see. It was in August. Man, August is not that long ago. 
<laughs> it de- yeah, but it wasn't that long ago. Well, I mean, it's half a year ago. Yeah, that's true. It feels it like is. it shouldn't like it's half- feel that long, though, but it does. Yeah, but yeah, it it was. It feels longer than August, I think. Yeah. It's startling how much life we've lived since <laughs> August and all the things that have happened that continue to feel surreal, but yet here we are. Well, I remember yeah. that this was an episode that you actually were not really excited about doing. Uh, yeah. Because you were kind of in the middle of figuring out uh-huh. how to make space for yourself. In not just in your motherhood, but in your work life and in day to day life. So, you want to update us on how that's uh, been going? Yes. I think you are specifically talking about my quote unquote nothing days yes. that I started implementing in probably August or September on the rec- recommendation of my therapist. Mm-hmm. I started therapy in the summer. And, um, it is, I've gotten to the point where, like, I don't think I had, I did not schedule any nothing days for myself in December Mm -hmm. because there was no margin for that. Yeah. And I'm sure if my therapist hears this episode, I'll be getting a little message about how <laughs> mm, that's not really true. You have to make the margin. Mm-hmm. But I chose not to in December. And in January, I have one scheduled, but it's at the end of the month. And I can tell a difference. The difference that I can tell is that my mental and emotional stamina, like I run out of steam. hmm Right. It's harder for me to keep it functioning at the level that I need to, to execute the daily functions of my life. And I do, I can tell that the nothing days have a tremendous impact on my ability, my mental and emotional stamina for the rest of the, for the rest of the month. Yeah. So I have one scheduled in January and, you know, said in February, I'm going to do two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back to that. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a very difficult thing for me to have white space on a calendar. Yeah. I want to tell you it's because of other things outside of me. Like, I feel like there's so many outside other things that I have to manage. Mm-hmm. But it's really not true. It is that, in some ways, I do dictate my own, yeah. my own schedule. Yeah. I can say no to things, you know. Yeah. So it's <clears throat> my, I'm, you know, I have to give myself permission in various ways to do that. Yeah, I've been kind of thinking on that lately and realizing that a lot of my busyness is not put on me, but it's something that I put on myself almost as like an act of striving, like trying to be more or to live up to some expectation that is only coming from me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's listen in. Why do we as women do this to ourselves? Like, what is it? I just, I don't know. I want to find, like, 
I just I want to be able to be like it's Pinterest like Pinterest (laughs) did this to us you know like I want to find it like where is our scapegoat let's burn it at the stake and be done you know but I think it's just different for each of us you know it's just those it's that internal dialogue that we're having that's that's like yeah it makes me feel so cringy to sit and do nothing. Yeah, it's rules that we've made for ourselves, and that like that's kind of like I have, I have way more rules that I've made for myself than I ever fully yeah. realized. Yeah, like you wouldn't even put them on your kids. No, it's the ideal mom that sits in my head. Yes, you know. Yes, and I'm trying to be that, but my ideal mom and your ideal mom are two completely different people. Oh, they're totally different. Yeah. And they're probably very different from who we are. Yeah. Naturally. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Because my and and I I'm also doing counseling, which is a great godsend. I know. Like let's just everybody go to counseling. It's called mom fashions. We yeah, meet exactly. once we, a we month. We do. And we record <laughs> and have our counseling. Yes. Uh, but one of the things that she had me do was like describe to me an ideal mom. And I'm trying to think back to what my list was, but I know it involved somebody who wants to be with their kids all the time, who likes to play with their kids, who is up early, right? Like this is this is what she gets up early before her kids. Right. Which is that even possible? I don't know. I think some people do. It's not us, though. But my children hear me, and they come. It doesn't matter. It could be four in the morning, and they'd be like, Mom's away. Get me waffles. Exactly. Like, yeah. Anyways, I digress. So somebody who is a morning person, somebody who keeps their house clean, somebody who has people over, has time to be productive and work and... I mean, this woman is not me. She makes me tired. Yeah. She also doesn't exist. She doesn't. But we think she does. Yes. I don't know. We can't. I don't know why we can't get her out of her head. And I've never, I've never met that woman in one person. Mm -hmm. But I think what I do is I look for her and I see part of her in this friend and part of her in this friend and part of, and so I sit here and I'm like, well, if they can do it, then I can obviously do all of this. (laughs) And it's just Garbage. It is garbage. (laughs) And I say that, but inside I'm like, no, it's not. All right. So tied for number two, these two episodes, yeah, they had the exact same number of listens, which blows my mind. But yes, what are the chances? I know. And they're not really even related, which was also surprising (laughs) to me. Okay. So the first one is... Our episode 57 on the parent-teacher relationship. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. yes. And I think resonates. I am not surprised. Yes, absolutely. Resonates with every mom who has kids in any kind of school and yes. giving them over to somebody else to teach and to shape mm-hmm. and mold. It's a big deal. Yeah. So the other one that was tied for this, and I was surprised that it didn't just win out in this one. But was our episode on what it's like to parent a child with ADHD. Oh, yes. And I loved this episode because it's not something that I have personally experienced. But between you and our guest, 
having that conversation and listening in was so eye-opening and just so interesting to see just what children with ADHD have to overcome. Yeah, those are both stellar episodes Mm -hmm. with lots of really good information. I feel what those two do have in common is that those are episodes where the curtain is kind of pulled back Mm -hmm. and you get to see what is really happening behind the scenes. Like the parent-teacher relationship one, we had both of these are guests. We had a guest who was a former teacher and but is also a parent. And so it was just a great dynamic of having her be able to understand both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. And we got to ask some very straightforward, great questions. (laughs) And also the other one, we had a guest as well. And did we have two guests on that one? I thought we had Anna Godey too. Oh, we did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was two. And Anna was on Zoom. So yes, we had Anna was could only meet with us via Zoom. Zoom, but Aaron was there in person. Yes. Yeah, and I thought that was a really great conversation because we had relative, like some different ages. One was in middle school, a couple of us, uh, well, no, two were in middle school, one was in elementary, in different areas of struggle. That time. So it was, I thought that was a really, like you were saying, it was a great one, not like your basic. 101 parenting a kiddo with ADHD, but really coming from parents who have done it mm-hmm. for 10 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. And I have to say the parent teacher episode, I had like a mantra in my head over Christmas when I was Uh-oh. buying teacher gifts because that was the, that was like my one burning question was like, what do we actually buy you that you want <laughs> Because uh, right. I'm, I am, my go-to gift has been an anthropology mug, which they're super pretty. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, of course, everybody wants one, but you can only have so many mugs, right? And she was like, no, we don't want the mug. And so all, <laughs> every time I would see a cute mug, I'd be like, they don't, they don't want the mug. Get the gift card. (laughs) Don't get the mug. Get the mug. So that helped me out a lot this year. I feel like I did better on gifts. Hopefully, who knows for real? But I love that this was like your one main takeaway. We yeah. talked about discipline issues, <laughs> like homework support, how do you build a relationship? Mm-hmm. And you're like, what I'm going to remember is don't buy a mug don't for Christmas. buy a mug. Still helpful, helpful. <laughs> it, it was life-changing, really. Let's listen to a little bit from each of these episodes. I have to give the same presentation. Like, I feel like I have to do a song and dance. Here's a PowerPoint presentation because my oldest child isn't typical, right? Mm -hmm. We have a 504 for severe food allergies. We have a 504 for ADHD, generalized anxiety disorder, adjustment disorder, reactive attachment disorder. And all of these things are part of who she is as a person. And we, as a family, and she needs accommodations in the classroom. So it's, I hate that we have to start off that way, you know, and I have to just like start from scratch every year. Yeah, I can see how that would be. That would be exhausting, you know, Mm -hmm. from a parent's side. 
Um, I wonder from a teacher's side, when you have 25 to 30 students, how do you view, I mean, you have to treat each child individually, right? And to be able to balance that, but still have so many kids in your room. So I wonder what that looks like on a teacher's side, if you can speak to that, Lori. So for me as a teacher, when a parent came to me with, you know, the PowerPoint presentation, or this is what's going on. That is, from my perspective, the most valuable thing that they can do. You would be surprised how long it takes to get the information from the counselor about the 504. Oh, I would not be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) The specific nuances of, of that child or things that really only a parent can tell you. I loved that parent. So for our listeners who um, might not be aware, and honestly, for me, would one of you all offer um, a definition of ADHD and then explain the difference? Um, Anna, you mentioned ADD. Can you explain the difference between those two? It doesn't have to be real technical terms, but just in layman's terms for a fellow mom. Basically, they they will diagnose all kids ADHD. They don't, they don't call kids ADD anymore, but kids that are more on the ADD side are distracted more in, within themselves. They're inattentive. They might daydream. You may not even realize that they're doing it because their actions are more inward. And they often, because I've taught for many years, they often fly under their radar because they're not constantly bringing attention to themselves by touching people or saying things out loud. And I've noticed, not always, but I've noticed in my case that a lot of girls tend to go under the radar. I taught third grade for a lot of years and I would find out several years later that these girls were being identified and it was my daydreamers. It was my ones that were quiet. It was the ones that did their work or appeared to be doing their work all the time, but it took them hours to complete the same task. Even or, though, yes, preach, Anna. <laughs> yes, even though they have the cognitive abilities to do the work. It wasn't the cognitive abilities. It was the mental stamina that was keeping them from doing it. And and obviously the ADHD with the hyperactivity is impulsivity. It does affect a lot of boys more often. However, that's not a hundred percent rule either. It's just louder in my, I mean, my house echoes with my son. Like it's just blah with me. I'm just like, where did I put that? I can't find that. I forgot to finish that. So it's a little more, the instances are more known to me with my ADD versus my son. He affects everybody because his noise level or he's touching things or everywhere. And I would tag team with you on that. And the hyperactivity is not always vocal. For my daughter, hyperactivity is physical expression through her body. I started noticing when she was three and four, she could not sit through a TV show. It could have been her favorite cartoon, Blasted Caillou, which I know we all despise. But she would want to watch Caillou every day, but she would jump on the trampoline the entire episode. All right. Okay, I cannot wait. It is going to be number one what will it be I don't know this was this was one of my favorites because it was so timely for right now 
and right now. I think just so informative, but it was mm-hmm. personally helpful for me. I literally have no guess. I, I have no yes, idea. It's such a good one. This was, uh, I believe it was episode 48, so it's been a while. All right. Yeah. But, so I won't even remember it. Right? <laughs> yes. We've lived a lot of life since then. Yes. This was our episode and we had a guest, Dr. Kristen Criado, and it was parenting kids oh, with anxiety. Yes. And I Yay. just like, I'm, I actually, I don't know why I have goosebumps right, right, right now, but it was like such a good, helpful, yes. timely with COVID and all the school stuff still dragging out. Yeah. All the changes yes, yeah. to to kind of work through anxiety with our kids, because I think we deal with it. I know I personally deal with anxiety on a daily basis, on a clinical basis. And so when mm-hmm. I see it in my kids, it's like this moment of, oh, no, what have I done to you? You know, like, how can right, I help yeah. you? And, and I need to be able to step back and and have some tools. And so I thought that was just really super helpful in that way. Yeah, that is a solid episode, too. And something I appreciated about that conversation is really breaking down what anxiety in kids means and is and how that displays in regular everyday life. Because I think there are maybe like some stereotypes wrapped around the word anxiety that Like our gut reaction when we're interacting with our kids may not be like, wait, I think this is anxiety. So I think it was really eye-opening from that sense and worth a listen if you haven't listened to it because we cannot underestimate what our children have experienced in these last two years. And how it has impacted them. And I think this episode kind of puts on those glasses for you to look at your kids in a new way mm-hmm. and, and be like, okay, is there some anxiety there or other things that we might need to support in a different way? Yeah. My least favorite catchphrase that like just burns me up <laughs> on the inside <laughs> is when people say, kids are resilient. Mm -hmm. But just because a child may continue playing or quote unquote bounce back, it does not mean that that change or trauma or hurtful thing has rolled off of them like water off a duck's back. In fact, I would say that if your child is behaving that way where you just think, oh, they're so resilient, this isn't bothering them, then that's when your red flag should be waving because this means they're either internalizing it or they are avoiding it. You know, they're disassociating Mm -hmm. from, from what has happened. There's not some magic switch that suddenly turns on when we become an adult that we are not as resilient as like that just isn't the case you are as resilient at five years old as like you're gonna be at 25 or 45 you know like yeah yeah, let go please of this notion that your kids are not impacted by the hard things they're experiencing oh yeah absolutely well And we need to remember for us how difficult it can be to voice what we're feeling and what 
we need and what we're going through. And so for kids, even more so, they don't have the language yet. They don't have the ability to name everything that they're feeling. So funny. I was actually talking about this concept with my therapist yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going to skip the whole long story of how we got to this, but... From a third person, an outsider's view of my family. So when my family were to go to my grandmother's house for Christmas, Mm -hmm. and this particular grandmother would have, like, all the kids would come, all the grandkids. She had a very small house. But we were, like, all crammed in there. Everybody brought food. There was often, like, you know, a dirty Santa gift exchange or we pulled names or something. And there are a lot of really loving, fond, pleasant memories from that experience. And from the outsider looking in or, like, my other family members who were there with me, who are not part of my nuclear family, might not be able to understand how that really good memory could be a bit tainted for me. But what they didn't understand is that while I, at the same time, was enjoying this familial experience that was full of love and laughter, no drama, no abuse, Mm -hmm. the inside of me was saying, okay, this is different. My parents are going to act differently here. They're acting affectionate towards one another, and they're acting affectionate towards me. We're laughing. We're pretending. We are being a different family right now than we are when we are at home. So, What are the rules for this? How do I act? What do I say? What do I not say? This feels really good. I want to enjoy this and experience the moment. But I feel really sad because I know part of this is fake. Mm. Like all those things around this, you know, and there are many, but like in one Christmas gathering. And so when like an outside family member would push me to say, but we had a really good time. We had really good memories as a family then. Like, how can you say that thinking of this is hurtful? This is how I can say that because I was experiencing a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, why can't my parents be like this all the time? Is it something I'm doing? Why are they behaving this way now? Like it it was a positive, affirming, loving environment. Yeah. But it felt very anxiety inducing for me yeah. because I didn't know what was going on. And from the outside, like that, people are seeing yes. you and thinking, oh, she's fine. She's enjoying this. This is great. They don't see that internal back and forth right. that you're going through. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, great episode. Definitely take a listen. So anxiety may present as being nervous, scared, or worried just as a regular feeling can present as being nervous about something that's going to happen in the future, being worried about yourself or family members, 
and it can present both as thoughts as well as as feelings. When it presents as feelings, it can be the state of overwhelmed or discomfort, but it can also present physically. So some of the physical signs of anxiety are real, really common ones, especially in kids, include headache or stomach ache, body tension, heart racing, like palpitations, um, feeling like their skin is crawling or that there's a weight on them. And these feelings and thoughts lead to anxious behaviors, whether it's being irritable, whiny, acting out, retreating, hiding from the thing that's making them nervous. And then the difference between that being anxiety and what is clinical levels of anxiety or um, diagnosable anxiety is when it begins to impair different areas of functioning in your life. So if that anxiety is overwhelming, if that anxiety is preventing you from going to um, a friend's birthday party, going on a school field trip, going into the school building, doing things with your family, being able to engage with your friends, those are some of the things where we distinguish what is anxiety that everybody experiences as a feeling versus when is it anxiety like a potentially a disorder. Okay, well, that wraps up our top five of 2021. I'm excited to see what all comes this year. And I know we've already got some great content that is coming out uh, in the next few weeks. And so keep listening. To 2022, friends. (laughs) Cheers. As always, visit fwmoms.com. To see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.